welcome to the What The Heck podcast. I'm your host, Glenn. Every week I explore something unexplained, talk about what it is, and look at what else it could possibly be. Research is done as academically as possible, and references will be given after the stories. This week, I'm looking at the Valley of Headless Men. The Nahani National Park Reserve is in the Northwest Territories in Canada. It spans nearly 12,000 square miles or 30,000 square kilometers and contains Mount Nirvana, which is the tallest mountain in the Northwest Territories. There are no roads into the park and the only way in is by traveling up the river or by float plane. The lack of roads have allowed the area to remain mostly untouched for thousands of years, making it the perfect habitat for rare flora, most notably orchids. The name Nahani comes from the Dene people, who call it the Nahadehe, which means river of the land of the Naha people, or possibly people over there, far away. There are stories of hidden tropical gardens, mythical creatures, and ghosts that can be found in the valley. But the park has a specific valley within it that stands as a dark place to contrast the beauty of the area. This valley is the source of a mystery that has created its own legends. In 1904, Willie and Frank McLeod made an expedition to the Nahani Valley to look for gold. Because it was difficult to get to, they thought it would be a great place to prospect. They were right, and they managed to get around 40 ounces of high quality ore, which is around 1.1 kilograms. Not long afterwards, in 1905, they went back to the valley to look for more. The two brothers disappeared and were never heard from again. In 1908, their brother, Charlie McLeod, went to find them. He made it to the Nahani Valley and traced his brother's steps. On the banks of the Nahani River, his expedition found the bodies of his brothers. Both men were headless. Their bodies appeared to be in the same positions that they had been in when they died. One of them had his arm reaching towards his gun and the other was still in bed. There weren't any clues as to what had caused the deaths and the camp was untouched, even after three years. The legend of McLeod's mine began that day, with some believing that the mine is still hidden somewhere in the valley. In 1917, Martin Jorgensen decided to go to the Nahani Valley after hearing about the McLeod gold. He sent a letter out to the valley to say that he had found gold and other expeditions moved in. When they arrived at Jorgensen's camp, they found that his cabin had burned to the ground. They found Jorgensen's body, now just a skeleton, and it was also headless. There didn't seem to be any sign of the gold he had found. An outlaw named the Yukon Fisher was found dead along the river, near where the McLeods were found. But there's not much information about when or what state they were in. Somewhere in the valley, the remains of 
Anne Laferte, in 1926, she had wandered away from a hunting party, disappearing into the brush. She was seen once after that, months later, climbing a hill almost naked. The person who spotted her thought she was possessed by the devil and had refused to follow her. She was never seen again. In 1927, British explorer Raymond Patterson set out for the valley from Fort Smith. He was told that men vanish in the area and to stay away from it. And in 1945, another body was found, headless. He was a miner from Ontario and he had been found in his sleeping bag. The tales of the headless bodies in the valley began one of the many legends that surround the area. There also seems to be a habitual burning of any buildings on the land. Many people go missing only for investigators to find the buildings they built burnt to the ground. After Jorgensen's cabin burned down, it happened again in 1931, when Phil Powers' cabin set on fire and burned down. The Royal Canada Mounted Police, the RCMP, believed that the fire had been caused by a faulty stovepipe. People were sceptical of that explanation, wondering how an experienced prospector like Powers would root a stovepipe incorrectly, and how the fire had burned so hot that there was nothing left of the cabin or Powers. If the roof had been on fire, it would have eventually collapsed, potentially suffocating the fire, which would have left larger logs in the rubble. Then, in 1936, Bill Epia and Joe Mulholland disappeared on the river. Friends of Mulholland spent years looking for them, but didn't find any evidence of them. All they found was their cabin, which had burned down. Frank Henderson had formed an expedition in 1947. He and his group of US Marine veterans decided to go to the valley to search for the gold that had been found before. Soon afterwards, Hal Hendrickson put an advertisement in a Vancouver paper asking for volunteers to also go to the valley in search of gold. Then, Tom Carolan announced an expedition too. Hendrickson and Carolan had hundreds of responses from people pleading to be allowed to go to the Nahani Valley. All three men began a competition. Henderson set out to meet his friend, John Patterson, but never managed to find him in the area. What he found instead was 30 ounces or around 850 grams of gold. Henderson, upon his return from the valley, said that there was no denying that there was a sinister atmosphere in the area. He also said that the continual wailing of the wind was something he wouldn't forget. I can't seem to find any information about what happened to the other two, although I did find out that Carolan was a filmmaker and that his expedition was to create a travel film. In the 19th century, strange lights were reported in the park. Some believe that they're UFO sightings, but others believe the lights to be similar to the Will-o'-the-Wisp from Celtic folklore. Some even believe the lights to be spirits trying to lure people into the area. In one valley, known as Dead Man's Valley, the wind howls constantly, which causes the belief that there are evil spirits there. 
1962, a light aircraft pilot crashed in the valley. He managed to survive unscathed and built himself a camp close to where the plane went down. Even luckier is that he was well stopped from the plane, meaning he was able to survive while he waited for rescue. He believed it would only be a few days before someone would find him. He waited and wrote in his diary about the experience. He waited for 50 days before his diary entries abruptly stopped. Around six months later, his plane was found by chance and with it, his camp and diary. The plane had crashed roughly six miles from its final destination and the pilot was never found. Mark J. McPherson, a filmmaker from Calgary, Alberta, has been planning an expedition to the Nahani Valley for several years. He is currently crowdsourcing for funding, even though he planned to go in 2019. Whatever causes the disappearances and deaths of people in the Nahani Valley, it seems to be very elusive, since nobody has managed to find evidence of it. With so many things happening in the Nahani Valley, surely there must be some explanation. Well, I'm not actually sure there is. There are a few theories as to what it might be, but so far there's no concrete evidence. This week, I'm going to throw in a few more theories of what I think it might be. The first theory today is that there are prehistoric creatures in the valley. This theory suggests that the remoteness of the Nahani Valley allowed these creatures to survive everything that caused the rest of the prehistoric world to perish. The valley is often described as a paradise in an otherwise frozen landscape, holding hot springs and many caves for creatures to survive in. What doesn't make sense with this is the nature of the deaths that have happened in the valley. Fires and beheadings don't seem like something a prehistoric creature could do. The next theory is that there could be a community of people living in the valley. This community could be very protective of the gold, killing anyone caught with it in their possession. It's probably safe to say that they aren't cannibalistic since bodies have been found mostly intact. Again, the caves would make a perfect place for them to live and some parts of the area are actually off limits to the public, so there would be plenty of space for them. However, even with this space, it doesn't make sense that they wouldn't have been seen at all, or even any evidence being discovered. The valley could possibly be cursed as well. There's not much information to go with this. Stories of the valley seem to have stayed with the Dene, because I can't find any of them at all which then means I have no idea who could have caused the curse or what the curse is even supposed to do. Dark magic and evil spirits are common in unexplored uh, places, so it's not too far a stretch, but without any information, this might just not be the truth. The belief that there's evil spirits in the valley is mentioned by the Dene and people who have returned from the valley. Those returning from the valley have said that there seems to be something causing some kind of oppressive atmosphere within the valley. I have nothing more on that one. 
The final theory today has a bit of a story to it. I avoided it during the main story because it wouldn't make sense in that part. Around 40 miles from the Nahani Valley, there was a log cabin. A man named Albert Johnson lived there, although that's just a pseudonym, so we don't really know his name. Johnson also looked for the McLeod mine after it had been lost. In December 1931, someone complained to the RCMP, saying that someone was tampering with his traps. They were being tripped and hung up in trees. Johnson was identified as the likely culprit. On December 26th, two members of the RCMP visited Johnson's cabin. Johnson refused to speak to the RCMP, going as far as to cover up his windows so that they couldn't see in. They left then, deciding that they needed a warrant. It took five days to obtain, and then the RCMP returned to the cabin. Once again, Johnson refused to speak to them. Once the warrant was enforced, Johnson began to fire at them through the door. There was a brief firefight and one of the policemen was injured. Eventually, the RCMP caught up with Johnson and he was taken into custody after a 150 mile or 240 kilometer foot chase that took over a month and ended with Johnson's death on the Eagle River, Yukon. It was discovered that Johnson had owned several gold teeth that had been extracted from the mouths of some of the dead in the valley and it was assumed that Johnson was responsible for the deaths of those exploring the area. The issue with that is that the deaths continued even after Johnson had died. It's possible that someone else took over, but I'm not really sure that that's likely. Either way, if you get the chance to visit the Nahani Valley, don't try and take any gold with you and don't set up a camp. Who knows what might be waiting for you in the caves. The story from this episode came from an outdoor journal article called Secrets of Nahani, a Fodor's travel article called The Haunting Secrets of This Canadian National Park, a McLean's article called Valley of Mystery, a Medium article called The Valley of Headless Men, and a Strange Outdoors article called Mysteries of the Nahani Park Reserve in Canada. Theories from this episode came from the same articles. References for the episode and links to studies will be posted on social media for you to have a look at. Speaking of social media, links to those and other ways to listen are in the episode description under my link tree. You can currently find me on Facebook and Instagram. Patreon is getting an upload of one of the transcripts each week as part of the £3 tier. The link to the Patreon is also on the link tree and, as before, you're welcome to pledge more than £3 a month and I'll find something extra special for the people that do. I do have an email set up on the link tree, but it doesn't open up a new email, so that's in the description of the episode too. Send me your spooky stories, unexplained events and anything else you want me to read out. Or, if you have any corrections or issues with things I've said, let me know and I'll address them as soon as I see the email. The next Creature feature will be out on Saturday, 
and next week's episode comes out on April 16th. So hold on until then. Thank <laughs> you.